through the bulletin, I'm supposed to be in Matthew chapter, I'm not for sure, five, I think. Today I'm changing it up. I'm going to do something very different. I don't typically do this. I don't typically go out of order. I know where I'm usually going to be going for the next year. Uh, I try to let things sit on my heart for a while. The last six weeks I've had something very heavy on my heart. And so today's a great day to do it. I'm just going to get it, get it off my chest and we're just going to talk through it. So Joshua chapter 14. You have your, your Bibles. I'm going to speak to you today regarding... Give me that mountain. Joshua chapter 14. What's going to happen is we're going to be able to look in and peer into a conversation that two men are having. Joshua and Caleb. They're having a conversation. They're talking back and forth. And we're going to spend some, just a few moments talking and looking into their conversation. This is a time of year in May in which we see graduations. There's great expectations of life is going to continue and life is going to get better. And now you're going to get a job or now you're going to, you know, go to college. And there's a lot of excitement. Same thing with time of the year where we get married. This is the spring. Lots of marriages are happening. There's been a lot of marriage counseling I've been able to do, pre-marriage counseling, helping get, get couples ready to go. Looking forward to the future and looking forward to what is going to happen. This is also one of those times and places in which we as a church are looking to the vision that God has for us and to fulfilling what God has designed for us to be here. Joshua chapter 14, hopefully you've made it. These two men are speaking and I'm just going to draw your attention to one verse and I'm going to ask that you stand and then we're going to be looking through Joshua 14 and some other passages today. Joshua 14. I'm going to ask that you go down to verse 12. Go down to verse 12, and here's what the Bible says. Caleb is the one who is speaking. He says now, so now give me this hill country. And the King James says, give me this mountain. Give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on it that day how the Anakim were there with the great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Would you pray with me? Father, I just pray right now that you would move and you would work. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to praise you and sing praises to you. And Father, now I know that there are many who have come into this place. Maybe they are facing giants of their own and walled cities. That God, there's barriers to what's happening in their lives and it's just stopping the blessings from coming into their lives. And God, I just pray that you'd reach down and you'd work in this message. And I pray that you'd work through this moment. I pray that you'd speak into their lives. And God, I pray that you'd encourage us so that we would be men and women of faith as we walk out of here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, may be seated. What is success? Success, let's just be very clear as we're talking about a God-given vision. Success will not be the wealth of Bill Gates. Success will not be the power of Donald Trump to be able to sit across a large desk and to look at somebody and say with two simple words, you're fired. Success is not going to be winning lots of championships like the Dallas Mavericks. At least we hope anyway. I kind of projected that one. Okay, so it's not going to be that in your life. So what is success? Success is not going to be for us as a church to be like another church in this community or in this city. 
It will not be that we become like the village or Prestonwood or First Baptist Dallas or whether you want to call Saddleback. Or, it's not going to be us being that. So what is success? Success in your life is not going to be getting that house or getting that car or getting that promotion. What will success be? Let me just make sure we're all talking the same language here. Success is when you and I and this church, when we, whatever context it is, when we live out and fulfill God's given vision for our lives. That's it, plain and simple. You see, you're here this morning. God has a plan for your life. God has a vision for your life. You choose whether to live it. You choose whether to ignore it. You choose whether to live in it. But God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for this church. And we as a church get the choice to either follow it or we get the choice to say, you know what, I don't know if we're going to follow it. And Joshua and Caleb are now talking. They're old men, 85 years old is what Caleb says he is. He's 85 and now they're talking. And they're in a city and they're in a place, they're in an oasis, Kadesh. They're, they're standing together and they're saying, do you remember when? And they're having this conversation, do you remember when? Flip over to Joshua 14, go to verse six and seven. This is the beginning of the conversation. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb the son of Jephunneh. The Kenizzite and said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Two men are speaking. As they're speaking, they say, do you remember the last time we were in this place? Do you remember the last time we passed by? The last time we were here at this, this place was Kadesh. Do you remember the excitement and the anticipation of going into the promised land? Do you remember what it was like when we looked and we saw God's vision is just about to be fulfilled in our lives. God is about to work and God is about to do. Many times in our lives, God will give you a vision of the future years before it comes to pass. It doesn't mean that it's gonna to come to pass when you're 25. It might happen when you're really old, like 30. <laughs> it might take years. And Joshua and Caleb are here. They saw it 45 years earlier. God said, this is your place, this is where you're going. And now they're standing at this place and now it's about to take place. And Joshua and Caleb have a conversation. They continue on just for a minute. And they talk about what stopped and what has hindered and what has blocked their God-given vision for 45 years. Can I just bring out four points, four ways, four barriers that will stop God's vision from happening in your life? Because I believe each of us face these things. Each of us are battling these barriers. And the question becomes, God, are you really gonna fulfill it? God, are you really gonna do what you said you were gonna do? You gave us this vision. You gave me a vision for my life. You gave me a vision for this church. God, you gave us what we have, but yet it's not coming to pass. Why is it not? So what do we do with this? Four barriers. The first one is this. It's waiting too long to act. Waiting too long to act. God gives you a vision, God gives you a dream and says, this is what I want for your life, this is my purpose in your life. 
Waiting too long will cause you to miss out on God's blessing. Do you see where they've, he stopped? Verse 7, it says they stopped in Kadesh Barnea. Here's the scenario. The children of Israel had been wandering in the desert. They had been coming through. They had just came out of Egypt. They had crossed over and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And before they got to the promised land, they stopped at an oasis. Think about an oasis in the desert. It's been hot, hotter than Texas. It's been dry. You have dirt in your mouth and in your spit. It's an arid place. You're dirty. You're nasty. You feel gross. It's been several weeks before, since you've seen even water to take a bath. You smell. Your wife smells. Your kids smell. You stink. And now you come up to this fresh oasis where the water is cool. The shade is grand. And you stop and it's a place of refreshing. And God gives them this place of refreshing before they go into the promised land. They refresh themselves and they get, oh, this is good. And now Moses says, okay, guys, I want to send you as spies to go into the land. And they go into the land and they come in and they see all the grand things and they come back and give a report. And what happens is they choose to stay in Kadesh instead of going into the promised land. When you take the place of refreshing and you make it a place of resting, you miss God's blessing. The place of refreshing is never meant to be the place of resting. And when you stop and say, you know what, this is good. This is really as good as it needs to get. I don't need to go any further. I don't need to push any further. You stop and you begin to rest. And what happens is this. As they stayed in the place of refreshing, the water begins to dry up. And the provisions begin to waste away. And then you sit back going, but God, I thought this was your blessing. But the place of refreshing is not the end blessing. You're designed to continue moving forward. To be people of action. Not just to wait around and wait till things get better, but to be people of action. I like basketball. It's my favorite sport. And in basketball, there's a, there was a guy named Bill Russell. He was a Boston Celtic great. And he has a quote. And this quote now hangs in the locker room of the Phoenix Suns. Here's the quote. It says, the game is scheduled. We have to play it. We might as well win. Isn't that good? It's scheduled. We have to play. That's our job. We might as well win. Simple. You're in the game of life. You're not called to just sit back and do nothing and just kind of go through this life. You're called to be a person, a man, a woman, a student of action. You're not called to sit back and just wonder, well, I wonder if God's going to show up. You're called to go into action and do something waiting around. You wait too long, you'll miss God's dream for your life becoming a reality. Barrier number two. You will miss your God-given dream because the giants are too big. When you see the giants, and in Numbers chapter 13, if you want to go and read the story, Numbers 13, 14, 15, and 16 is where I'm taking all this. They go back, and, and in Numbers 13, they, they go into the land. And they find that the land, the promised land, that God's vision for their life was so grand and so big that the fruit, the grapes, just one cluster of grapes took two men to carry. 
The land flowed with God's blessing. And as they went through the land, they saw and they looked around and then they came back and then they said this, yes, the land is good. Yes, the promises of God are big. And yes, God's vision for our life is grand. But, however, however, there's a big problem. There's giants. These guys are tall. I I guess you don't understand. These guys are big too. They're standing not just head and shoulders taller than us, but they're standing around eight and nine feet tall. Hello. Dallas could use those guys in the next few weeks, couldn't they? Mavericks. These guys are big. And not only did they do, you know, everything's bigger in Texas, everything's bigger in this land. They have cities that are big and enormous. And around the cities are these walls that are so enormous that when you go to the walls, you can actually have chariot races around the walls. These guys are big and they made big walls. We are farmers, we are slaves, we can't go in. If you're looking for God's vision to come to pass without obstacles and without barriers, you've missed the entire point of Christian life. Those obstacles and barriers, God wants to show you that he is bigger than anything in your path. You're designed to trust God to break through and trust God to do something through it. You're not designed to say, oh, we can't do it. You're right, you can't do it on your own, but you can in God's power. If you're hoping that just because you said a prayer that giants will fall down, you've missed it as well. Giants do not fall until one, there's been prayer, but two, they've been engaged. Goliath did not fall until David actually stepped out, took the rock, put it in a sling, slung it around, and it went towards the head. Giants will only fall. Walls, cities will only fall when you pray, yes, and then you begin to do what God says, march around the city. You have to go into action. Maybe some of you have thought, and maybe you thought God is just gonna answer just because I said a prayer. He does answer. He also expects you to move. He expects you to engage those giants. There's a great popular song by Miley Ray Cyrus. Here's what she said. There's always gonna be another, help me out, mountain. There's always, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna wanna make it move. Always gonna be an uphill, what? Battle. There's gonna be battles. There's gonna be giants. And when you look at where the church is at and where we even need to go as a people, yes, there's battles and yes, there's things that we're gonna have to face. And the question becomes, do we just sit around and just hope that happens or are we gonna actually engage? We can sit around and pray all we want, but until we begin to move into action, things are not gonna happen. You have to face the giants. Number three, you will miss your dreams, the God-given dreams because of negative people within the camp. Negative people. Joshua chapter 14, verse eight says this. Caleb saying, I came in, I gave a great report. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Negative people. 12 people went into the land and 10 people came back with a report, a negative report. And they said, the giants are so big, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. The walled cities are so big. And Caleb's sitting back saying, hey, you are my brother and you are my kinsman. You're the people that I thought was with us. 
You're the ones that I thought were actually gonna be the ones who had the same experience, we saw the same things, and we were gonna come back and give the right report. Negative people will surround you, and many times the negative will come from within even your own house. It can come from even your own kin. It can come from people that you are even the closest to. 10 people, count them, 10 people cause 2.5 million people to miss out on the God-given blessing of the promised land. Does that bother you? They raise up. And it's easy. You've seen it in school, haven't you? Teacher gives out homework and one person starts complaining. Oh, I can't believe we have homework. And then what happens? The rest of the class starts doing it. You've even seen it happen at your work, haven't you? One person begins to gripe and complain. I can't believe the boss wants me to work. (laughs) Come in on time? Are you kidding me? Really? You want me to actually work? And then all of a sudden, the next person starts saying the same thing. Then the next person, and all of a sudden, you have a whole group of people saying, that boss, he's just so mean. He expects us to do too much. Right? It spreads like wildfire. And Numbers, in Numbers chapter 16, in verse 2, not only were they negative people, here's the word. You ready? And I like the King James here. Here's what it says They were famous in the congregation. They were famous in the congregation, men of renown. Now the famous people began to speak out against Moses. Now the famous people began to raise up. Now you know these famous people, right? It's the famous people at work. When they speak, everyone else listens. The E.F. EF Hutton people, have you heard of that? Remember that commercial? When he speaks, everybody else listens. The famous people in the congregation, negative people. Abraham Lincoln, when he was trying to decide on his cabinet and who would be in positions. They were throwing out names and then one person came up and when he said, the advisor said the name, he says, no. And with his stern Abraham Lincoln look, he looks across and he says, I don't like his face. Can you imagine saying that? I don't like his face. And then the advisor says, sir, you can't say that. No man's responsible for his face. And Abraham Lincoln looked back and said, yes, every person over the age of 40 is responsible for their own face. The negative comes out on the face. And you spend years being negative, it comes out. And Abraham Lincoln knew he needed a cabinet that was with him, that wasn't gonna be against him, that was not gonna be negative. Negative people, surround yourself with positive people if you wanna see God's vision come to pass in your life. Number four, you will miss your dream, your God-given dream, because you romanticize the past romanticizing the past. In Numbers chapter 16 and verse 13, this is something that blew my mind. You ready? There are a group of people, the famous people, the, the, the ones who were the chiefs among the leadership of uh, Israel at the time. They come in and they're griping at Moses saying, Moses, you can't do this, Moses. I, we just think you're doing wrong. And in verse 13 of chapter 16 of Numbers, here's what it says. Is it a small thing that you have brought us out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness. Watch. This was huge. They now call Egypt the land flowing with milk and honey. 
Can I just pause and stop for just a minute? What was Egypt? It was slavery. There is no way that was a land of blessing. It was a land of slavery. They saw their kids murdered in Egypt. They have on their backs the whip marks to prove where they came from. And now here they are, they're looking back at Egypt and saying, we should have just stayed in Egypt. That was the land flowing with milk and honey. We do the same thing, don't we? As soon as you get out of high school, your stories of high school begin to grow. You start saying, yes, I once played football and basketball, sure. Two years, three years down the way. Then you start using West Texas lingo like this. I used to could. Yep, I used to could. That's, I used to be able to, but it's just running it all together. I used to could. I used to could bench 500. Yeah, right. I used to could. And you start embellishing and start romanticizing the past. The past is good. You should learn from it, but you're not called to live in it. These are not, your best days are not behind you. Well, Heath, what if I'm 80 years old, 85 years old? Caleb was, and he still saw his best days ahead of him. Well, Heath, come on, that's, that's back then when they lived really old, to be 120. There was a man in my life, I was 22, 23. I came to work for his son. His son was just about to retire, so this man was quite a bit older. He was an old man. He'd been a man in which God had used to speak all over the world. He'd been one of the first preachers on radio, an incredible man. God brought him into my life and I got to interact with him there at the end of his life. Then when he went into the nursing home, I would go and visit him over at the nursing home. And he would say something like this right at the beginning. I can't believe I'm still alive. I don't know what God has for me. I think God just needs to go ahead and take me. And then it would take two to three minutes it was that fast. And then it would switch and he says, young man, son, he'd call me son. I wasn't his son, but I was 22 and he's 80 plus years old. I was, or 90 something. He, I was this young man. And he now says, just want you to know I'm praying for you. And he would begin to pray and he would begin to talk to me about what he's praying for. This is a man who had been in ministry for 70 plus years. He prayed in a different way than my parents and my grandparents could ever pray. And he began to pray and he said, Heath, I just want you to know, young man, son, I just want you to know that I'm praying for visions that you don't even understand yet. I'm praying that God would work in your life and I'm praying that God would come upon your life and your ministry now. And he began to share and say, I'm praying that these souls would come to know Jesus. And he just kept expanding my vision and saying, this is why I'm here right now. And so that I can pray for you and so I can expand your vision because God has more for you in this life. 80, 90 years old, he still had a plan and God was using him in an incredible way. If you are alive, do not think that your time is over and done. God still has a plan. Caleb is now looking. Joshua are now talking. And in Joshua 14, they're talking back and forth. And you say, you remember this? Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, you remember the giants? Oh, yeah. I remember even coming in and giving their best report. Oh, yeah, I remember those barriers. Here we are now. We're 85 years old. And in Joshua 14, verse 11, Caleb says... Pay attention, Joshua. Just want you to know, yeah, I might be 45 years older, 
but I still have the strength of when I was 40. I am ready to go. And he looks around and in verse 12, what we read just a minute ago, he looks around and he says, I want that mountain right there. We stood in this place 40 years ago, when, or 45 years ago when I was 40. And now I look across and I don't just want that mountain, I want the entire hill country. I want all the heavy stuff. I want the biggest obstacles. This is an 85 year old man, isn't that exciting? I'm ready. Bring it on. I want the biggest cities. I want the biggest people. I want to go against the biggest obstacles. I am now ready. The Lord is ready to take me in. And if the Lord wills and in his power, in his strength, we will do it. That's incredible faith. Some of you just need to get a glimpse of how big your God is. He's ready to do something more in your life than you've ever thought. And stop waiting around. Stop letting negative people steal it. Stop letting obstacles in your way pass you by. It's time, church, it's time, individual, it's time that we rise up and say, God, if this is your will, we're ready to go after it. Caleb, verse 14, it says this. It says that he was able to get the entire land because he wholly followed the Lord. Can I encourage you with this? You're right, you can't do this on your own. And if you try it, you will fail. But what we need is a people to wholly follow the Lord. You see, 45 years earlier, Caleb heard the message that no, you don't get to go in because you didn't follow. The entire congregation heard that message. You don't get to go in. And you know what the punishment was? God said, you will all die. You will spend the next 40 years in the wilderness and you're all gonna die. So the people, the people in such an incredible way said, oh, we messed up. We missed it. God, we're sorry. And they try to charge in and they try to take the land. But this time they're doing it in their own power. And in Numbers, here's what it says. Verse 13, in chapter 13, it says, they presumed that the Lord was with them. They presumed And they went in without the Ark of the Covenant, without God's presence, and they went in without the man of God, Moses. And they were defeated. You will not be able to move forward. You will not be able to see your God-given dreams come to pass if you're not wholly devoted to the Lord. If the Lord is not with you, you are not able. Church, if the Lord is not with us, if we're not holy as a people, ready to surrender and saying, God, we're ready for you to fulfill what you have designed for us in this place, in this time, in this city. If we're not ready, if we're not wholly surrendered, it won't happen because you will not be able to do this on your own strength. Holy, follow the Lord. Give me this mountain. Give me this hilltop. Give me this mountain range. Give me those giants. Give me those obstacles. Give me those cities. I'm ready.